7th of October 2013. Okay, so we deal with cancer, and you see that the card is quite complicated. It's the most watery sign of the zodiac, the other two watery signs, Scorpio and Pisces. There is a difference between the three types of water. What Water is quite difficult. We relate it to the element of the emotions, desire, the desire principle. And um, I also have to think in terms of the cosmic astral plane or the cosmic waters. The difference between these three signs is that cancer in many ways is the, the place of degeneration, the generation of waters going into a reversed sign. Pisces is the sign where the waters have become most murky, most muddy, and you get mediumship, hypersensitivity, bondage to form, which is what the emotions do. And Scorpio is the sign where the disciple has to learn to battle the waters in order to rise triumphant, be able to rise out of or to master the swamp of learner. So in Scorpio you get all the tests, the trials, the tribulations of life. In Pisces you have the concepts of bondage, all forms of emotional forms of bondage. And in uh, Cancer it's the pure uh, expression of the waters in every which way that it manifests. With the crab you know that it, the crab that I like looking at on the whole is a hermit crab, but there's the, also the, the scurrying crabs on the seashore. With the crabs, you get hypersensitivity, quick reactions to things, which is, again, this form of hypersensitivity. The crab, um, once it's um, scared of something, it quickly retreats into its shell, a la the hermit crab, or scurries into the, the safest, quickest hiding spot, hiding hole it can go to. So another aspect of the crab is fearfulness, all forms of fears. And it's one of the major things that one has to master in this particular sign. Another aspect of the crab is that it has a claw. And esoterically, when it grabs hold of something, it will not let go. It will hang on to the claw for as long as it possibly can. And even to the point of having that claw broken while it's still hanging on to its precious item. And of course, that precious item is whatever the object of desire is. Think of it, and there's the crab grabbing hold of it and saying, it's for me, it's mine. So, over-possessiveness, hypersensitivity, and fears of all types. Literally, the crab lives in a very fragile shell, and it's very frightened of that shell being broken. It lives in the juncture between the oceans and the physical domain or astral earthy activity and literally it unites those two elements in its activities. In my card you see the pounding waves and those waves there represent the emotions. The intensity of the emotions, the waves can be quite ferocious or they can be very, very calm, and they can do a lot of damage to the personality depending on the way that the emotions are utilised. The other thing with regards to the crab, especially the hermit crab, it's got its soft underbelly or the soft hind parts. Literally, it carries its home with it. It carries its possessions with it. 
these possessions are all of those emotional things that the Cancerian is attached to. Wherever they go, they are the possessions. So um, esoterically, it's a whole houseful or a thought form, mindful of thoughts, desire thoughts. That's the home of the crab. So all of those attachments of desire, that's the home that the crab is carrying around with it. I want and I want this, I want that, um, reacting to this, being hypersensitive to that, fearful of that, and so forth. Now, therefore, the exoteric um, aspect of this sign is massed psychic sensitivity and reaction. Massed psychic sensitivity and reaction. Cancer is the sign of mass movements. Often, generally, you'll see the crabs in, in massed formation on the beach early in the morning and at dusk. They're out there all scurrying along, um, looking for bits of food. As a large group of them, the whole ocean front will be full of little crabs um, doing their food-gathering thing. And so that type of massed sensitivity is, again, another description of average humanity, how they swayed by mass opinions, mass thoughts. The television era, for instance, the, the latest movie star, uh, the pop song, the public orator, the tyrant, such as... So anyway, you understand this type of ability to sway the masses, and so the, the more intelligent Cancerians have the ability to dictate to the masses what the masses want to hear to manipulate them. So it's massed emotion. One, another way of looking at this Cancerian energy, therefore, for instance, is the images that come through the TV set, commercial. All those commercials that, that afflict people's emotions to make them want to go out and buy things or do things, worship movie stars and so forth, that's all Cancerian. Now, Cancer is one of the forearms of the, the, the um, Cardinal Cross, the Cardinal Cross is actually difficult to properly explain because it's north-south-east-west direction and it relates to the first ray of the Department of the Will. Cancer is the sign of incarnation or of reincarnation. It's that which propels into manifestation thoughts, ideas, solar systems, cosmos and each rebirth. The rebirth of thoughts the rebirth of ideas, all this again is Cancerian. For this reason, you'll see in my card, I have the crab scurrying backwards. And most of you are aware that that is often the way that the crabs travel. If you pound them sideways or backwards, yes, they um, don't um, rush forward. So this is again um, the concept of into incarnation, into manifestation, into form, into the darkness of ignorance. Uh, this particular crab of mine I've got here, I've got six legs and two claws. And the six legs relate to the material domain, to the hexagram, and therefore to the feminine. All the things that um, you think of when it comes to the feminine principle, if you wish, or incarnation, the process of incarnation, the womb of space and time, cancer provides that. And, of course, um, Virgo is the womb 
about cancer is that which is incarnating into the womb, is rushing to incarnate, rushing to inhabit that particular environment. Now, there's a whole geometry associated with this particular um, mandala I've drawn. And um, before I go into that, go into the esoteric sign. The esoteric is the dispeller of the waters. And I started off with saying that cancer is the creator of the waters, but esoterically, you have to learn to dry off the waters in this sign. And the um, esoteric symbol sign that is used for that is Neptune, the god of the waters. So that's the esoteric planetary ruler. Neptune holds a trident, a three-pronged staff, and allows him to conquer or master this watery element. So you can see that the esoteric Cancerian is one whose emotional body is a light unto the world. The dictator, the tyrant, can use people's emotions to whip them up to go to war and do all those sorts of things as we saw with regards to the Nazi regime, etc. But the esoteric Cancerian can also inspire the emotions of the masses to think right, to work for the good of the planet. So you can think of that level of discipleship that relates to taking the second initiation and therefore to master the waters. The initiate of this sign, the keynote, is light of the watery lives. So the Cancerian is the light bringer for um, the watery lives, for the world's disciples. They are the ideal, in many ways the ideal, what people call guru, spiritual teacher, because they are able to feed the emotions rightly, the way that people desire their emotions to be fed. So they Christ-like figures for the devotional or emotional masses. Jesus, for instance, is six-ray disciple, uh, a six-ray kohan, and therefore governs the watery dispensation, the devotional religions, and therefore he's the light under the world, uh, the light unto, unto the world, the light of the watery lives, the light bearer for them, for the devotional religions type. And in this particular case, the hierarchical ruler is also Neptune, because Neptune brings into manifestation into the planetary dispensation the cosmic waters the cosmic astral plane the energies these waters and this cosmic astral waters is what we call love i actually prefer to use the term bodhicitta the mind of enlightenment for it for these waters waters of life the waters of love that which feeds whole planetary dispensation with the christ principle flows via cancer. And this is part of the mystery of it being an arm of the cardinal cross, the southern arm. Its polar opposite is Capricorn, which is the most mentalistic of all the signs, cosmic mind. So you've got cosmic mind and the waters align with this cancer-Capricorn interrelationship. And also these two signs are the ones coupled with Scorpio, where the DV find the easiest form of activity. You can see, as I said, the, the ocean, the watery ocean with the pounding waves. 
because it's the way the emotions are. They uh, they can be irrational, um, vacillating. You know, it can be highly destructive, or they can be very very calm. And the general colour of the waves is a a blue, azure blue, which I often like to use for the emotional body when it's actually manifesting its pure quality. The astral plane is often depicted as a blue or a pink colour. In this particular case, the colours of, of the sky, they go from the lavender to the azure. And the reason why those colours are there is because these colours, the lavender colour going to more and more purple to the azure, they are the colours of the ephric double, the four ephors leading to the astral plane. And so it's from the astral plane going through the four ethers and the emotions, the emotional body. What esoterically, there's no real distinction between the ephric body or the ephric double and the astral plane because when the waters are being controlled, have been mastered, the astral plane per se does not exist. What you have instead is a body of energy. Literally speaking then, the ephric double is the astral plane. So in Cancer, you can see the process of um, the purity of the waters plus the, the muddying process, depending on how the emotions are being expressed. Right through, to the, right through to the clarity of the when the astral plane has been clarified to such an extent that it no longer exists in the disciple. All these is the pure energies going from the cosmic ethers via the mind or the soul into the etheric body itself. And the waters then, the astral body, is the reflector, the, the, the mirror of the higher, the divine, into the lower, the, the form. So this is um, part of the secret of all of you becoming enlightened beings, that your solar plexus simply must become the mirror of the heart. The solar plexus is the, the center that governs the waters, the distribution of the waters, and the heart is what it must reflect into, your man into manifestation. And then it does this via the vital or the ephric double. So that's the, the colors in the background there. It's different to Gemini, as you see in Gemini, where you have the, the indigo blue of the deep night sky with the stars in Cancer, you've, you've manifested into incarnation. And so you've got the astral and the etheric and the dense form. Whereas in Gemini, you're, you're out of your body uh, in space, so to speak. And likewise with Taurus, it's the same sort of thing. Taurus is basically the fort of incarnation. Gemini is the process that leads to incarnation. And Cancer is actually the um, parturation process. It pushes the inner plane, thoughts, realizations, and impressions. That which comes from on high, from the mount of initiation, which is Capricorn, it's polar opposite. So it pushes all of that into manifestation. So you can see the Cancerian disciple has got, there can be quite a lot of emotions, a lot of contrasts of the emotions. But once those emotions are in the process of being mastered, then um, the mount of initiation, the Capricornian mount, works right through into the physical domain via a calm, 
receptive emotional body that acts only as a reflector of the energies of the heart. Now the symbol I've got there of the crab, it's it's totally geometric. I drew it purely out of geometry. I'm going to try to explain it to you. It's a composite image and it's, a, it's backwards. That's the best way. Now it starts off with a crescent moon. But the crescent moon is part of a sphere. And then you get a, a Pisces symbol there. And around the Pisces symbol is what is really the coils of a serpent. Coils of a serpent. It is, um, this is actually what, I've, what you've got depicted here is really a miniature version of the chakra system and the rising of Kundalini, and the rising of Kundalini in such a way um, that it masters the waters through Neptune's trident. This crescent moon and the sphere, it is uh, part of the sphere that it is part of, plus the Pisces symbol, and if you look at the very, very close, you'll see that the crescent moon is starting to encompass an orange sphere, and then there's the green. What you have are four chakras interrelated there. The two gonads, the sacral center, and the base of the spine. Yeah, the base of the spine center, the muladhara. And so it's the interrelationship of those four chakras that is the foundation of the liberation of the Kundalini fire, which is the, the central rod column going into incarnation. So it's actually a reverse the sphere where the crab's regs are coming out of, that's really the head lotus. And then there's a diamond, which in Buddhism is called Chittamani, the wish-fulfilling gem. Uh, it's the gem of enlightenment consciousness. It also symbolizes the third eye. There's actually two different diamonds there. There's a, a number of different diamonds, um, which are lenses that reflect that which is experienced below the diaphragm into the head lotus. The orange that is there, you find that it's really the claws of the crab holding the diamond in place. And so the diamond is the third eye that the, the crab is holding in place with its claws. And the other diamond you can see, it's a bit difficult to, to sort of explain, but you can see two white, you know, so there's one diamond is the diamond which is the lens of your mind reflecting... Yeah, one that looks like a diamond and then one that's more rectangle that's actually held by the claws of the crab. And so the one that's more elongated, that's the third eye. And the one that looks like a diamond, that's the lens of the enlightened mind. As I said, the crab leads to cosmic astral space. And so what I'm trying to depict here is the mechanism of gaining enlightenment, of gaining the Christ consciousness. It's a difficult sign to properly explain because being one of the Cardinal Crosses, one member of the Cardinal Cross, the Southern, it's much more involved than appears the eye. So what this white crescent moon, that's really an open door. And what it's really depicting is what I call the Earth-Moon relationship. The geometry of space and time that opens up the door between the base of the spine and the head lotus that allows the evocation of the Kundalini fire. And it involves the, the geometry of the two gonads, the sacral center, 
and the base of the spine. When the geometry is properly drawn, as I have in my large geometry, then you find an acorn, an acorn of petals. And it's that acorn of petals um, within that that the fire is generated. This is one of the reasons why, um, for the generation of the fire, the sacral center, the gonads, and the base of the spine must be mastered and aligned. So there's a whole heap of um, yoga philosophy here. And if you think of the, the yogi of India and Tibet, and they were literally the Cancerian, their, their form of meditation, their form of aspiration is Cancerian Capricornian. And I said the two cardinal signs are aligned. Capricorn is the north pole and Cancer is the southern pole. And this um, Cancer Capricornian yoga meditation is what awakens the, the fire um, from the base of the spine right through to the high pinnacle of the Mount of Illumination of the and the symbol for Capricorn is of course the unicorn flying the unicorn flying from the mouth. So you've got this is invert, but in the process of enlightenment you've got the turn the card upside down and then add the Capricornian thing um, and then you get the the proper alignment. So and of course the other thing to do with the coil of the serpent, what I've depicted there is something which I haven't mentioned much to most of you, but which you really need to understand, which I have to understand even better myself. It's still, I'm still um, get to the, the um, doing the geometry report. It's the permanent atoms. There's a number of permanent atoms. The permanent atoms are the only part of you when you die that is retained by your soul. Everything else disappears into the substance of matter. But the soul retains a physical permanent atom, an astral permanent atom, a mental unit, and then there's the higher mental permanent atom, an ethnic permanent atom, which of course then is also retained by the monad. So the mechanism of incarnation, when the soul needs to incarnate, it activates the permanent atom and the spirals in the spirulae of the permanent atom, those of you that you know, need to look at it, there's Babbitt's book, and it's also in Cosmic Fire. He's got a picture of the permanent atom there, and he describes them. So there's spirals going at right angles, there's major spirals and then spirulae going at right angles to them, and so there's four levels of spirulae. Now, the permanent atoms, when they activated, attract to them atoms of substance according to the levels of energization of the spirals and the spirulae that then brings into manifestation your samskaras, the sum total of your bodily nature. It's very similar to the um, concept of the DNA. And the DNA, in many ways, is model of the imagery of a permanent atom. So we've got also the concept of incarnation in cancer via permanent atoms. So that's something else to study. Yeah, I still have to work on the geometry of the permanent atoms and how they relate to the geometry of the soul. It's quite a massive undertaking and I've never had yet the time to do so. And then you can see in the inverted symbol of the crab then 
as it's coming into incarnation, then the Kundalini fire splits off into three directions according to the Neptune's trident. So there's a main trident, a main prong, and then the two other prongs. Now the main prong, of course, is the, is the Kundalini or the Shishumna, and the others are the Ida and the Pingala. They distribute the energy in the head lotus according to whatever um, Ida, Pingala or Shishumna is the, the main pranic current of the individual. What I'm trying to depict here in the process of incarnation, the serpent, the serpent, the spiral of the serpent on the card is in the picture of the depiction of the permanent atom. If you look at permanent atoms, you'll find that there's spirals. As a matter of fact, there's, there's thermal spirals and, and the, the spirals of seven rays. I just call them seven rays, interspirals. So the, there's the two lots of spirals that go opposite to each other in direction. One of them is thermal, which are that relating to matter. And then the other are to do the seven rays and the evolution of consciousness. And so what I've got here is depicted the, the three spirals of matter, which are that serpent and that's another way of thinking in terms of energy is just serpentine motion so the process of incarnation as i said when we're talking about incarnation is what cancer is um, much about is is the activation of the permanent atoms one of the things that i've also hinted at here which is very esoteric and that is the link between the head lotus and the soul in this particular case, you can see that the crab is scurrying backwards into manifestation. But when you're looking at it from the point of view of a personality, then the main body of the crab, as I've already depicted, is a head lotus. And the head lotus is absorbing the samskaras of worldly activity, of samsara. You can see cancer is quite complicated. That's the reason why I want everyone to have a, the image in front of them. Those of you that actually get to read my, my fabulous book, the one we're publishing now, yeah, on mandala, and this is a prime mandala, will know that the head lotus, with the head lotus, there's five actually tiers to it, but there's really three main tiers that relate to a samsaric activity. The five tiers are there, and they relate to the five Dhyani Buddhas. And I call these three tiers the solar plexus in the head, the throat in the head, and the heart in the head. So there's three main tiers of petals. Now, by far, the largest numbers of petals are the outer tier of the head lotus. And I explain this in detail on mandalas of how those particular petals absorb the pranas in relationship to the 777 incarnations, as I call it. And in the book on Bardo Toro, it's in great detail, because then we go into the feriomorphic deities and what they represent in relationship to the petals of the head lotus. And we're talking specifically of the solar plexus in the head. And so that solar plexus in the head, because most people are emotional and Virtually all of the samskaras are emotions. There's karma manas. And so by far, the greatest amount of lives, the greatest amount of petals in the head lotus got to do with processing these emotional samskaras. 
the throat and the head, which is the innermost of these three petals, have the least number because the fact is that most people, well, the mind, to use the mind, pure, the pure mind, not emotional mind, but pure mind, um, there's very few that develop that. The central tier of petals is the heart and the head, and that's got two times 96 petals because emotion-based heart is the next most number of samskaras that are used by humanity or developed by humanity. What I'm sort of trying to point out is this card that is cancer. It's the central distributing the pranas in the solar plexus in the head is Neptune's prident. And the whole purpose of Neptune is so the emotions can be mastered, properly regulated, not them regulating you, but you, you know, regulating them. We're talking about, of course, the mind. On the whole, it's the solar plexus, the abdominal brain, that deals with the solar plexus with the emotions per se. And what goes to the mind already processed emotions. You have to remember, all of you, that the animal kingdom, especially those that are close to human beings, dogs, cats, horses, they have an abdominal brain. They have a solar plexus center, and that acts as a brain for them. And that develops um, emotional samskaras. And therefore, dogs wag their tails, and cats go meow, and sort of do whatever cats do, and horses, humans, best friends, and so forth, because it's the solar plexus interrelationship. That's the connection there. And believe me, there is clairvoyance uh, in the animal kingdom. And when you develop your solar plexus properly, you can communicate them via this clairvoyance, this solar plexus thinking. But the thinking with your minds, they, that's beyond them. For them, that's nirvana. That's um, out of their domain. They must become humans for that. Anyway, what I'm trying to get to is that as there's incarnation, there's also the, the reverse process that the yogi does to come out of to master the entire incarnation process. So there's a link. And therefore, we are looking at the, the base of the spine gonad interrelationship as the foundation for the liberation of Kundalini. But if you place what I've just described as the main body of the crab on top of your head, then what's above that is the image of the soul absorbing from you your thoughts, your samskaras, that which is useful for the soul. The soul only takes refined impressions, the real base stuff, that's, you know, the violence and all of that, cannot go into the soul itself. It is stored in your permanent atoms. So this is quite, quite an esoteric thing. So we've got the lens, therefore, of the third eye and of the, the diamond in the head, refracting the samskaras that you've developed in this life towards the soul. And so it is a double mechanism. Do the diagram represents the gonad centers? If you look at the, the circle with the crescent moon, there's, there's two little circles there. Yeah, two, there you'll find them um, surrounded by white that looks like a Pisces, because it actually is Pisces. Oh, okay. And those two little ones are the gonads. Okay. And then the orange, which is the crescent moon, is starting to encompass. And so the door opens and closes. That orange is the, the color of the muladhara, or the base of the spine center. Within this sign, therefore, 
is the entire process of creation. No, no, yeah, it is a cobra's head, uh, but it also is in the form of, um, you can also see it in the form of a goat, so it is a cobra's head. On top of that serpent is also another type of diamond. And then also you can see there's a triangle there, and then there'll be a hexagram and so forth. So it's actually a very, very compact mandala. Um, and this very, very tiny little diagram, I should actually blow it up to a much larger space so people can see. But within that, there's also the cosmic incarnation, which has got to do with encompassing dark space and therefore the entire process of the Diva Kingdom. This particular sign... The, all the cardinal signs are, are divic. That's plenty, I think, for, for, for this particular sign. You can see that the whole mysteries of incarnation, of cosmic incarnation, of what is brought into manifestation by means of incarnation is hid in this sign. And the mastery of the waters, the sensitivity, the fear, um, the whole volatility of the emotional world is also veiled in this sign. And all of you have to understand this is quite important for all esotericists and for all humanity to properly understand is that this solar system is governed by the second ray. This humanity, we have an acute hypersensitivity to the waters of the cosmic astral. It aggravates human emotions, exemplifies it. Because the potency of this energy of the cosmic astral can flow very quickly into the solar plexus, bypassing the heart. And this is specifically so for first and second ray and sixth ray disciple. The fifth ray and you know, the other rays generally are more shielded because of their minds. But the first, second and sixth ray, they generally get the, the potency of the cosmic astral much more strongly exemplified in them and for humanity in general being ruled by the fourth ray. This intensity of, of the Cancerian symbolic of that, yes, of the crab and the life of the crab. The central one has more got to do with the colours you can see there are the colours of the mind. So this whole thing has got to do with the nature of the mind to govern, to rule the emotions. You have to use the mind to rule the emotions. The emotions must be ruled by clear logic. They can't be ruled by force. If you try to use force to rule the emotions, then you get the, you know, the, the emotional will. The logic of the mind, the clear light of mind, that must rule the emotional world. Um, the master, the crab. The mind itself, the, the heart comes into it if you want to develop, become a disciple, an enlightened being. But... Also, the Dark Brotherhood control the emotions. They're the true sorcerers. They don't have a skerrick of emotion. But they don't have any love at the same time. They use the power of the mind in this, through this Cancerian mandala uh, for their own self-will. We have to awaken the, the heart. And therefore, when you see at the very, very centre of the, this particular circle, which is the, the, the gold and the orange, then you get the colorations of the heart, the higher domain and that's the true power of the the crab when you are manifesting 
as a, a white hierarchy. The rectangle symbolizes the fourfold personality vehicle, the mind, the emotions, the ifric body, the physical body. So it's the samskaras of what I call the three worlds of human livingness. And so that's the square. It's from that square, and the square then turns, or the rectangle in this particular case, in, in the, the, the various four directions to make the diamond, essentially. So this particular square, as you can see, or this rectangle of the fourfold personality, is the orange color, because ultimately what you're trying to develop in the material world, and why you're incarnating, is to become lords of mind to develop the, the fires of mind. This is what awakens the Kundalini. It's only through the, the utilization of the mind can the fires be liberated from the base of the spine and awaken. And the whole watery dispensation of the Cancerian native then becomes mastered. Without the fires of the mind, the watery dispensation cannot be mastered. You cannot just do it, if you want, through the blue of love because they're too allied. The love will just exemplify the water, and you get a watery form of love, or emotional love. It's the mind, the fires of mind, and the fire dries up the waters. And this is when we go back to the beginning of my talk, where what's in the book of Revelation is a statement that said, there shall be no more sea. And what they're referring to there is when the fires of the mind dries up the waters, and then there's no more waters. There just simply is the Ephric double conveying the energies from the higher domains from Buddhi via the mirror that the solar plexus has become. And it's therefore via the, the heart. The solar plexus literally just simply becomes the reflection of what is passing through the heart. But before that can happen, the mind must rule. And this is another, just a historical point, with regards to this, emotional mind, or what you might call the intuition, was the high point of Atlantis. They developed a clear link to the cosmic astral plane via their heart centers, but without proper development of mind. And it produced a very high level of love and magic. Okay, So it produced this very clear, high level of astral plane magic, the, the magic of Atlantis, the ability to master the air, literally speaking. They could fly through ships of the air. They didn't need the jet fuel. They just needed sound. And we're going back to a civilization which will be using sound to fly, for instance. But what I'm trying to get to is that this high Atlantean magic, once the mind was thrown in, then it muddied the waters. Literally speaking, you had the beginning of the Atlantean black magician, black magic, the witchcraft. And now, what we're endeavouring to develop in this new age is the reversal of that, where we have the mind, and what we're trying to stop from happening is the mind developing black magic as we awaken again to the astral plane. So it's the reversal. We've come down, we must go up. And all of hierarchy now is trying to feed sufficient love in humanity so as to become more clairvoyant. They don't become witches and sorcerers again. And this is um, part of the process 
uh, of awakening the new age, the seventh ray that is now coming into manifestation, will produce lots of magicians. The teachings that I give in my books and DK's writings, the purpose is to forestall or to try to prevent the reappearance of widespread Atlantean magic with much more emphasis of mind than before. That's something for all of you to think out, but this is a key agenda of humanity at this particular stage. It takes much thinking. Do you all understand what I'm trying to say? As the race becomes more psychic, right now its unadulterated materialistic bias is saving it from destruction because of its blindness. But as humanity actually begins to see more psychically, then there will be a danger of using their psychic powers for manipulation of material things for things of they desire. You know, making more money. That would be number one on their list. Lots and lots of money. Uh, or things that money can buy. All of the uh, material comforts. The great crime of the Atlanteans was material comforts hydra. They used their powers to build around them palaces of opulence. Stealing from everyone else things that are desired for themselves. And you can see the reappearance of this particular form of magic on a much more materialistic scale in this society at present, where there are certain beings that are trying to corner the wealth of the world so that they can have their palaces of opulence, their super indulgent rich lifestyles at the expense of everyone else. And this is what hierarchy do not want any of their disciples to fall into that trap. And therefore, all of us are kept relatively poor because palaces of opulence is the opposite. It's the death of our society. It's what I call material plain indulgence, the consumer society and so forth. We of hierarchy are trying to produce much more yogi lifestyle, samskaras. Therefore, the heart must be stimulated and much more knowledge of what the dark brotherhood is and the ways of black magic what it leads to must be given to humanity and that is part of the reasons for the writings of my books i've had to give a massive information on the dark brotherhood throughout my books in a wise way and um, dk could only hint at it blavatsky barely hinted it she did but only a little DK gave more, and I have to, I've had to reveal much more. As um, more and more disciples come into manifestation that are infused with the purpose of hierarchy, much more teachings will be given. Because humanity have to learn the dangers of manipulation or playing with psychic power, which literally is death.